Hello and welcome to Adrian Has Issues. For once, I'm not recording in my really awesome, super expensive, state-of-the-art recording studio, aka my bedroom. Right now, I'm actually inside a very empty but very awesome comic book store, which I don't know if any of you have listened to episode two where me and an old friend had talked about my years, or not even years, months as a comic book store employee. So it's actually really cool. I get to actually talk to one person who owns one, a New Jersey native, and we'll actually get to know his story. But everybody, please welcome Jeff Beck. Jeff, how you doing? I'm doing well. How are you doing? Just a quick question, though. Do any does anybody ever actually get that whole thing? It's like, oh, so you're Jeff Beck, like the the guitarist? My entire life. Really? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is actually pretty awesome. Now, I recently moved into Montclair. I would say back in August of 2014. So I had no idea this place existed, and I used to go to. There was a place um, in Bloomfield, uh, the comic book market. Yeah. Which, unfortunately, since I moved out of Bloomfield, it was a little difficult to get to. So it's like, all right, cool. That's unfortunate because I know they were closing. So then all of a sudden, um, my dad, actually, because he lives up the, um, the street, like a block, maybe about three blocks from here. He's like, oh, did you know there's a new comic book store there um, um, right down the street? It's like, what? Yeah, it's called East Side Magic. Your sister was telling me about it. So I'm like, all right, comic book store, fine. And it's just... Unfortunately, comic book stores, they're not really a dime a dozen these days, but there's, you know, they're the same. But it's, coming in here, it was really awesome because right off the bat, I could tell you clearly had this really awesome sense of community about the store. So before we even get into the comic book store, let's get into your background. So where are you from exactly? I uh, grew up in Wayne, uh, basically went to William Patterson College, studied communications, audio recording, uh, got into... One thing led to another and got into selling technology services in Manhattan, which is what I've been doing for the last pretty much 12 years, I guess. Oh, 10, wow. 10 to 12 years uh, selling technology services and hospitality to Fortune 500 companies, Goldman Sachs, Apple, Bank of America. Kind of a like far that. cry from uh, dealing comics, no? Yeah, but. <laughs> yeah, definitely a far cry. But I was, I've been an avid reader and collector, mainly reader. Uh, I don't think I ever bought comics necessarily for value more for story i guess right uh for the better part of 20 plus years uh so the entire time i was working no matter where i was i was always reading comics collecting stuff um and then just you know decided one day working in manhattan uh that i just wanted to be happy like i loved what i did but you know it wasn't where i wanted to be and then one thing led to another and i sat down and i thought real hard and i decided well I got. I'm gonna do one of two things. I'm either gonna open a music venue, or I'm gonna start a, open a comic book store. And comic book store it was. The hours just seemed better. I didn't have to deal with bartenders or alcohol or. <laughs> Which is a shame because I was gonna say if this place had a bar, I would never leave. Yeah, well, it, it it could still get a we could still get a bar in here. Uh, it's possible, maybe down the road. I, I know bit. the Montclair liquor licenses are a little much. Yeah, I mean, maybe we could work out like a BYOB thing where uh, you know you can bring your own liquor and read some comics, and it would be cool. That would be kind of a cool event, though. So yeah, I I mean, I can imagine. I don't know if in your family, if whether you have like significant others or parents, or you know, you're obviously in this very successful business. You know, trying to sell everybody else an idea. It's like you know what, I'm gonna stop doing this. I'm gonna open a comic book store how jarring was was that for everybody around you because i'm sure a lot of people are saying wait that does not seem any like that does not seem stable uh it's not uh at all actually uh i probably took close to a seventy thousand dollar pay cut uh leaving manhattan and coming here and doing this uh i was 
on pace to start making close to six figures a month, uh, six figures a year. Sorry, six figures a month would be amazing. <laughs> I uh, was gonna say, if you're doing <clears throat> that shoe, um, <clears throat> wait, can you get me into the people you talked to back then? Yeah, no, six figures a month would be. <laughs> I would. I wouldn't be here right now. Um, yeah, I was on. I was on pace to make some really good money. I was making really good money and just not spending a lot of it because I was saving it all. Or as much as I could, really, outside of rent and utilities and stuff like that, keeping my fiance happy, um, and just squirreling it all away because I knew this is what I wanted to do. Uh, I chased loans. Uh, I got turned down by nine banks, three co-ops, and a government agency to get a loan. Uh, actually, the government agency didn't reject me. Their management switched hands in the middle of my lo- of my review process. And they what? Just decided to just throw in the paperwork? Uh, they froze the loan program when management oh, switched hands. Oh, that's unfortunate. So after about three, maybe close to four weeks of waiting to hear back from uh, my, re- my loan application, uh, I finally got in touch with the guy who I gave my application to and he said, yeah, you know, we've had some, some management shifts and uh, they're freezing the loan program. And I said, well, how long are they freezing it for? He said, indefinitely. <laughs> Lovely. Uh, you know, they, he just didn't know when it would be back online. So right. at that point, I kind of took a long look at my bank account uh, and the money that I had saved up and said, you know what? I mean, I don't own a home. My car is old as dirt. Uh, <laughs> it's barely worth $1,000, maybe, uh, but certainly not worth enough to pit against a loan of, let's say, $100,000 or more. Right, not enough collateral. So, yeah, so I uh, I just kind of said, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet, and I'm going to just self-invest, and that's what I like to call it. And uh, I just cashed out that, cashed in my chips, and here we are. So technically, I am still debt-free. Uh, I don't owe anybody money except myself. Uh, I own every comic book, every board and bag, every fixture, every hanger, every piece of. Are you kidding me? Paint. So basically, all this stuff is bought like pretty much out of pocket. Yeah, basically. Wow. Yeah. That's nuts. I mean, because I know that a lot of stores, are, especially from the one I worked at, I mean, we dealt with some stuff where, you know, we'd maybe get some really good lots on eBay, mm-hmm. you know, like some back issues kind of stuff. But the idea of being sufficient enough to actually buy the stuff just. You know, out of pocket, that's almost unheard of, at least for me. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't really know. I don't know the, the background of a lot of different comic book stores, and I know a lot of guys who own or run comic book stores. Um, I don't know if they – we never really got into the topic of, you know, did they get a loan to start their, their stores? Did they right. start out of pocket? Um, but, yeah, I don't know a lot of businesses in general, uh, out, comic book or otherwise, that – uh, that just started out of, out of their own pocket unless it was something totally grassroots, like one guy in a closet-sized office kind of thing. <laughs> well, that, believe it or not, our, the store I used to work at, um, that was kind of how that worked. It was a very small place, actually, in Totowa. Okay. Yeah, um, we'll have, in the one episode that I mentioned before, I maybe have said a little too much, but okay. that's on me. But again, that's pretty amazing because comic book stores, and or just they're not necessarily, like I said, it's... Uh, I hate to say it because I'm a comic book fan myself, but it's a tough market to crack because yeah. I know, especially with all the movies that are coming out, I mean, we can name them all. We could be here all night talking about them, but it's kind of difficult to translate that into an actual business. However, what was really cool about your store is you took a different approach to from a lot of stores I've seen where it's less of, hey, come in and buy my comics, but actually made it a community effort. Yeah, Which, I mean, that's I mean, pretty remarkable. I mean, a big thing for me was, like I said, I'd, I'd been collecting for over 20 years. I've been to 
dozens of comic book stores all across the country. Anytime I went on vacation with my parents, if I saw a comic book store as a kid, you know, I asked to go inside and I always just, I had a passion for it. I just, I love comic books and what goes into them and the stories that come out of them. And, you know, I tell people all the time, like right now with all the movies that come out, you know, this is the, no matter what people say about the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie or the Fantastic <laughs> Four movies that, you know, Rise of the Silver Surfer. Uh, I'm just trying to name like some of the worst comic book movies. I would say maybe Catwoman. So yeah. Halle Berry, Cat, Halle Berry's Catwoman movie. I mean, those are like some of the worst comic book movies ever made. But at the same time, this is the best time of my... I'm having the best time of my life because all these characters that I read about for 20 years, whether the movie is good or bad, they're on the screen being played by actual actors. And it's not, right. oh man, they're doing a Spider-Man cartoon special <laughs> you know, with the Green Goblin. And it's not it's not animated. And the, I mean, the animated stuff is great, don't get me wrong. Right. But this is these are real, not even just real actors, but legitimate actors like you have that old 1970s captain america movie where he didn't really wear a mask it was more of a motorcycle helmet yeah he was kind of like a biker and who that. was that dude i don't even think don't to do... date anybody can name that guy's that actor's without name. actually looking at my phone and googling it no i don't think he can yeah you i mean you can google it all day but off the top of your head <laughs> nobody no matter i don't care how hard i don't even think the a, guy who started a movie even remembers his name. <laughs> yeah i don't think he remembers being in the movie completely he's probably just all hopped up on cocaine the whole time. it was the 70s right yeah. <laughs> but I mean, nobody, like, even the most diehard comic book fan can't name that actor's name. I mean, and, and that movie was ludicrous. I mean, absolutely asinine. There was no point to that movie. It was just horrible. <laughs> but then, but now you have guys like Ben Affleck, who played Daredevil, ruined that movie completely. Correct. They're giving him another chance to play, of all people, Batman, Henry Cavill playing Superman. Um,. You know, even guys like Miles Teller playing Mr. Fantastic in the new Fantastic Four movie, regardless of what you think, you have legitimate A-list a actors who doing are, these movies, who, right. are play, who are playing these roles, and it's amazing. I mean, Chris Evans has played what? He's been in three different comic book movies so far, right? Because there was more. Scott Pilgrim. Oh, Fantastic that's right, no, Scott Four, Pilgrim. Um, what was and, the other uh, one he did? Um, was Captain it Push? America. Was that a superhero movie or no? Was that a comic book one? I don't think that one was based off of a comic. Okay, I was confused. But it was a superhero one. movie because they had superpowers or whatever. Right. But so that's like a very okay. Loose so the, so then right there you have four. Right. I mean Scarlett Johansson was in Lucy and and she plays Black Widow and if she's listening, I'm at Seven South Fullerton Ave, Montclair, New Jersey. Um. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Scar Joe. But uh, but I mean, you have legitimate actors playing these things. It's not B or C list or D list actors exactly. who are just kind of signing on to these roles and do, being horrible. Halle Berry is so famous; she can be horrible or she can be great, and uh, it doesn't matter because she's at the end of the day, she's Halle Berry. Halle, I'm at five, seven South Fullerton Avenue, <laughs> Montclair, New Jersey. Just in case she's listening. Um, but you know, so like right now, I always tell people like. Guys our age, you know, who grew up having nothing but cartoons and reading comics, this is the best time of our lives right now because we get to see all this stuff developed into live action movies. And for kids and teenagers who are younger than us who didn't always get into the comics, 
you know, they're still watching TV. They're still going to the movies. They still know and grow up knowing who Spider-Man and Batman and Superman right. are. So they're going to see this stuff and then they want more. But they, kids are impatient. They don't want to wait two, three years for the next movie to come out. I know I So was. that's when parents who are our age or older who used to collect go, well, you know, we could go to a comic book store. And it it's a cycle. And it's just, you know... We see it and we get excited because we read the stuff. So then we get nostalgic. But kids who don't read it, they go see the movies and they want more. And in, in, because they don't want to wait, they seek us out. So it's a pretty, you know, interesting way to look at it because I didn't think about it that way. Because like I said, people our age are now having children yeah. and us having been exposed to it. It's a lot different from, let's say, our parents who, I mean, I don't know about necessarily your parents, but I know my dad. And my both actually both my parents were into comics, but not in the necessarily the way that I would think we are. My my parents never read com- my parents did read comics. My my mom my mom sells a copy of the Beatles White Album, still sealed in plastic. Like she, they're I don't know what my parents did growing up, but it wasn't read <laughs> comics and it wasn't listen to music apparently. Oh, that's so, so heartbreaking. I mean that that White Album is worth a boatload of money because it's still sealed and untouched kind of thing imagine but you know but she got it as a gift and was just like oh this is great and put it on a shelf and it sat there for like 50 years i could i would sit there like tapping my like (laughs) my my knee like incessantly trying to make sure i can either grab it i've never once asked her where she keeps it because i know for a fact that in my younger years i probably would have taken it to a vinyl or a record store and sold that thing for whatever the guy would have given me, and it would have been a crime because I probably would have taken twenty bucks for it. Like, oh, yeah, it would have been it would have been ridiculous. So it's better that I don't know where it is, but Good, I know it yeah. exists. Good. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's just uh, you know, my parents were never really into it. It was just a friend of mine got me into it when I was twelve. I met okay. him at summer camp. I went over to his house one weekend to hang out. Him and his dad, who were in the comics, took me to the Joker's Child in Fairlawn. And I just remember walking in and like my mind melted. Like I just couldn't believe that there was one room actually smaller than a little smaller than my store when they first started out. Uh, Now they're in a much bigger store because they've been around forever. But I just standing in there and seeing all this Ghost Rider, Punisher, Spider-Man, Batman, Superman, Green Lantern, Flash, like one room holding all of this stuff. It was just it changed my life. I just, I couldn't believe that a place like that it's existed. It's a little frightening, and I don't even, you know, yeah, your first run to a comic book store, that's, it's almost a religious experience. Like, yeah. I mean. Oh, completely. And even now, like, even when, like, when the first coming into this store, because I'm like, yeah, this store is probably not that great. Let me walk in here. And for the size of the store, because, again, it's not necessarily the biggest store, no. but just the variety of everything that's in here. And what really actually drew me in was the fact that, there's even, you know, showcase for a lot of the indie stuff, and there's a lot of local art. Well, that was a big thing for me, too. Uh, I mean, like I said, I've, I've been collecting for over 20 years. I've been in a lot of different comic book stores, and, you know, having that knowledge in my head when I was in the in the build-out phase and the, in the business planning phase of all this, you know, really was to my benefit because a lot of places, comic book stores are notorious for being dimly lit, overfilled you know looking like someone's basement where it's just stuff on top of stuff on top of stuff and it's you know you you can't see from one side of the store to the other you can't you know it's just disorganization congestion poor lighting right. you know these are these are all symptoms notorious for of, of shops that have been around for decades you know so as the new guy on the block it was i had the opportunity to say 
these are the things I avidly want to avoid. I want there to be clear sight lines. I want things to look clean and organized and be easy to find. Um, in my original business plan, I had, uh, you know, almost like signs. Like I have one over the kids' corner where the kids' comics are, but I wanted one that said new releases. I wanted one that said toys. And I didn't do that on purpose because I always feel like at some point there's going to be I'm going to get bored of this. I'm going to get a, I'm going to want to shift things around. I'm going to want to move the new releases to a different side of the store. I'm going to want to put the toys in a different place. I'm going to restructure everything. So can I still put up signs and restructure things? Sure, probably. But, yeah. um, but also not having signs gives me the ability to engage customers, which is also something that you don't find in a lot of, in a lot of comic book stores. Oh, that's actually a really good point. You People, think about it. You walk into a comic book store and maybe the dude behind the counter or the girl behind the counter just kind of looks at you and goes, Hey, how's it going? And they just go about reading whatever comic it is they're reading or surfing the net or doing whatever it is that they do. And there's no real customer service. And that's another symptom of a lot of comic book stores that have been around for a while. So my focus was clean, organized, clear sight lines and engaging. I mean, community is a big thing for me. I was, uh, I've been a musician for going on 15 years now. Uh, I've been in and out of bands while I was working the corporate gig in, in Manhattan or various other jobs around North Well, Jersey. that's a weird juxtaposition. Yeah. <laughs> I was going to say, was your, I don't know if your bands were in like very anti-establishment at all. Or? Very anti. A lot of <laughs> punk bands. Oh, my God. I can't. Even. Did they know or did they like kind of like smell blood in the water kind of thing? It's like, we well, you know what you do for a living. No, because because I wasn't I wasn't that corporate guy. I was milking the corporate tea, so to speak. Uh, because they were willing to pay me ridiculous amounts of money that I just didn't have a use for. So hence I squirreled it all away <laughs> thinking, well, well, you know, I just, I don't have to worry about cash because I've got it. These guys are paying me, but I don't go on a lot. I never went on a lot of vacations. I never took a lot of trips. I never bought tons of expensive stuff. I just, I got whatever I needed. And when I did splurge, it was for a reason. So, you know, I have a, I have a kick-ass uh, bass rig. I played bass for, for 15 years. So, oh, cool. uh, I had, you know, at one, what was it considered at one point, a top of the line bass rig, but I drive a Ford Focus ZX3 from 2002. <laughs> like I went cheap on the car because I just wanted something to get me from point A to point B, but I knew because I was playing music, I wanted this Ampeg eight by 10 bass cab. I wanted this rack mount tuner. I want this Fender Jazz Bass from Japan, shipped directly from the manufacturer. Like, you know, where where I needed to go high end, it gave me the ability to go high end. And then at the end of the day, once I had this 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 money saved up, and I went, I want to open a comic book store. Yeah, it was a little upsetting because I would have rather played with house money than my money. But right. at the end of the day, when this government agency froze the loan program, I wasn't dead in the water. I just went, all right, it's time to open the purse. Let's let's, <laughs> let's start writing people checks and let's get a credit card, a business credit card, and let's open a business bank account and let's, you know, hire an accountant and let's start making this thing reality. And being able to open this thing up fresh, and we've been here now as we record this for nine months, uh, plus a couple days. Um, thank you. Um, you know, I've been able to start off, at least I feel like, on the right foot um, by not falling into all these other traps that comic book stores fell into 10 or 15 or 20, even 20 years ago and just never dug themselves out of the poor lighting, the, the, the shitty location, the mismanaged customer service, uh, 
the overpiling of inventory. And I do have probably more inventory than I really need at this point, but probably, but I mean, it's managed because that's the one thing when first coming into the store, well, prior to you guys scaring me, which I'll get in a minute, <laughs> the, the fact that everything is clean. Cause you really don't see, you know, this massive stock of, you know, long boxes or anything, you know, everything is just insanely neat. And I know that's such a weird yeah. thing to give a comment for, for a store, but it was funny that the first time I came in, it's like you said, the customer service part. Again, I'm used to, and I don't mean this in a bad way, because there were some very good people. Oh, yeah. Necess- not necessarily the most personal, where you go into a store, and again, like you know, they say hi, ask if you need help. But eventually, over time, you know, you get to know people, and you get into conversations. But the, for the minute I was in here, there you were, and it's like, oh, hey, can I help you? And I was like, oh, and like I was like, holy crap, I'm not used to that kind of... Uh, yeah, I mean, you know, there's there's been some some tips and tricks that I won't divulge that that, that no. we've kind of developed over time in That's terms fine. of uh, in, in making maintaining stellar customer service. And I think if you check out our Yelp or our Google or our Facebook or anything, you'll see, you know, everybody's you're not going to make everybody happy all the time. Right. I think there's one there's one review that we got where someone said. Oh, there's a ten dollar minimum for credit cards. What year is this? And you know, if that guy's listening, the year is uh, 2015, and credit card companies are still charging merchants exorbitant percentages to be able to take a credit card. So you're welcome for me taking. Wait, hold all... on. Someone complained about that, but all right, look at it this way. Now, yeah, if you're if you're okay, I mean, I'll put it this way: if you're buying a single issue of a comic, which maybe at the most, unless like a special, would be like what four dollars? Yeah. So three ninety nine plus tax, yeah. So I'm like, you know, if you buy another one, it's pretty much pretty much almost covered at that point. Yeah, and I and I and I'll say, we're not exactly sticklers for requiring people. You know, if if I ring up somebody and their and their total comes to nine dollars and eighty nine cents, I'm not gonna, right. I'm not staring them in the face going. You could buy a button. That would push you over the $10. Like, <laughs> I'm not a jerk. I'm sorry. With that expression, I, I think you should. Like, I think it's damn funny. You should have a TV show. That would have, that would have been great. But, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm not, I'm not a total asshole. Like, I'm not going to tell you to buy something else because you're 11 cents short of the $10 minimum. Oh, well, that means you could push, like, you know, the Dancing Grooves. Come on. The just... Dancing Grooves are a little bit more than 11 cents. A uh, little bit, yeah. I was going to say, as someone who bought one, <laughs> which, again, I'll forever thank you for saving my Valentine's Day. Yeah, no problem, man. Bought a lot of Grooves that day. I'm glad she liked it. But, uh, yeah, man, you know... If if you're at six dollars, yeah, you know, come on, yeah, man. come Go, on, like grab another comic, you'll be fine. Grab the second know? issue of the comic, unless it's like the you know the very first run. Yeah, but I mean, just back to the customer service thing. Like, you're not gonna make everybody happy all the time, but we do get a an overwhelming number of reviews from people, both experienced comic book fans and newbies, people who who don't really collect but saw the movie, saw the TV show, whatever. And want to get into it. And it's consistent across the board. Our customer service is on point because when someone comes in and says, oh, you know, I want to get in the X-Men. What should I buy? We have ways of, of getting people into this franchise that has existed since the 60s. As a major X-Men fan, that's the first question that would probably stump me. I would probably quit your store. If I were an employee, it's like, oh, I'm not going to get into X-Men. Just, I'm, I'm done. I quit because, you know, there's so much. 
I mean, we're, we try to be personable and we try to laugh with people and we say, oh, well, you could start with number one and it'll cost you anywhere from 1000 to $45,000. Wait, are you talking about like number one from like 1963? Yeah. Oh, hell no, because then you'd be, you'd be lost at that point. Oh, I mean, it would you, you would spend probably enough money. If you wanted to buy every single X-Men issue starting with number one that's ever came out, you could probably put like six kids through college easily yeah. and still have enough for a house, a boat, and a car. Probably two um, cars. At least, yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, you know, but there's ways for us to find, e- there's easy ways for us to find, to, to get people into stuff like X-Men. I mean, it's really easy for someone to get into a brand new series. And right. thankfully, Marvel is in the House of Ideas is phenomenal at renumbering their stuff every three months. So it's easy for the, to convince somebody. Which I was oh, so pissed about at first because I'm like, this is going to confuse me. But again, if, I guess from a sales point of view. Yeah. I mean, at least DC waits every three years before they renumber their stuff. Uh, Marvel does it like every three months, which is right. from yeah. a retailer standpoint, a total pain because that just means I have to make a new tab and then when someone comes in and goes you don't have daredevil number 22 it's like oh which series 22 do you mean the 2014 series do you mean the 1998 series do you mean the and then people just stare at you and go uh i just i just need daredevil number 22 and you go all right well let me just show you like six different covers because yeah. they've renumbered the series six different times and you tell me which one is the one that you're looking for um but you know my pride and joy was the second third week of be having been open a couple came in, married couple. Uh, they had seen a bunch of comic book movies, and they were like, we never read a comic in our life. We really want to get into it, but we don't really like superheroes. What do you recommend? And this is this is the other area where we excel at customer services. Okay. I'm not going to stand here and tell you to pick up a comic that I think is garbage. And I read probably on average about 40 comics a week. Uh, how do I get that in and manage to run a business at the same time? I don't know, so I don't think I could probably answer that question if yeah, you had it. I'm still trying to figure that out. But uh, but I probably read on average about 40 comics a week. Uh, and I don't mean just like skim through, like legitimately read these comics. Because if I can't re- make recommendations to people, then what am I doing here? Not, I'm, I'm not serving a purpose. Exactly. So I need to be able, when someone says, oh, I'm not into superheroes. Oh, I like robots. Oh, I like magic. Oh, I like this. Like, I need to be able to make, at least in my head, two to three recommendations. So I try to read a lot of different stuff. I try to read every number one that I that, that comes through the store. Uh, I have my favorite series, uh, you know, which I which I'll read whether it's good or bad or ugly, <laughs> uh, you know, because I'm just a fan at, at heart. But... You know, this couple came in and they said they'd never read a comic before. And as we sit here now, if I pull up the report in my computer system, they probably have the third largest pull list out of 50 pull list customers. Holy crap. I Um, guess it's like the, wow, you you hook them. Yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, hook them with two hooks. Like it's, uh, it's amazing. And I mean, they literally will come in, they come in every week. They pick up their, they pick up their books. Uh, and at least once a month, they ask me to add th- anywhere from three to five titles to their pull list because, you know, I also give my customer, my pull box customers, uh, the preview catalogs for free, oh, cool. even though that's something that costs me money. And I th- I'm pretty sure for the 20 plus years that I collected, I was the only Momo who walked into a comic book store and actually bought a previews catalog. No, I, okay. Were, we, were, in our store, yeah, we had people that did that. Really? I, yeah, no, a lot. In nine months, I've had three people come in and ask to buy a previews catalog. So now I just order enough for my pull list customers and I just give it to them because I'm like, you know what? Here, like take this catalog, anything in here, theoretically, I can order provided, you know, 
the vendor doesn't decide, oh, we only got three orders for this Voltron. And I've had, like, a girl ask me to order her a Voltron t-shirt, and the 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 manufacturer who made the Voltron t-shirt, I guess they didn't get enough orders in, so they just they didn't send it. And it just never became available to, through my oh, distributor. That sucks. So I had to tell her, like, hey, listen, like, I can't get this Voltron t-shirt for you anymore because the... I guess they didn't get enough orders and now they're just, they're not going forward with distribution. So, I mean, those things kind of happen with the t-shirts. Like they have to hit a certain number of, of orders in order for that stuff to go into production, but, uh, comics and trades and stuff like that. Very rarely. Yeah. Pretty easy to get those. But, uh, but yeah, so I just give them out to customers and then they, this couple comes in once a month. Well, we wanted to add a couple things to our pull list. And then they hit me with like three to five titles once a month. And it just keeps growing and growing and growing. And as titles drop off, they they see it as, oh, that's that's a title we're not collecting anymore. So we need to replace it with this. <laughs> and we're going to add. And it's, and it's hilarious. But they love this stuff. And, uh, you know, they come in and they... We talk about it, you know. They tell me how much they liked a particular series. And if I've read it, we talk about it. And if I haven't read it, then I go, oh, so tell me what you liked about it. And if they make it sound interesting to me as beginner comic book fans to a veteran comic book fan, I'm walking over to the wall. And if I saw a copy, I'm going to stand there and just read it right there on the spot. And that's the great part about, you know, comic book stores or just comics in general or just this entire geek culture is the fact that you get to share it with so many people. And mm-hmm. why should it be in terms of a store to then just sell them? But again, getting into those conversations is what I loved about some of those old stores I've been in. Yeah. Is, you know, you're picking up your books and the guy behind you, he's talking about something else. And of course, it's like, wait, this piques my interest. And you kind of have to slide over and get into that discussion. Yeah. And that's just sort of what it's about. And again, that's, it's always unfortunate when that doesn't happen. But again, when it, when it connects, it's amazing. Yeah. And that's a big thing that I try to promote too. And, and it's on our website. Like we, we try to promote conversation amongst people like we don't want people i mean if that's your thing that's it's your thing but you know we don't we don't try to encourage people to just come in get your books and leave like you know we engage with our customers and we say and our, and, and now it's to the point where even if i don't engage with our customers our, our customers engage with us they say as i'm ringing them up they're going man did you see that trailer for for the netflix daredevil series the new one that they just oh released God, that was amazing. <laughs> it was amazing oh totally excited about that but uh you know oh did you see the new fantastic four trailer what do you think about that and when there's other people in the store their ears perk up because now they're ta- you're talking about something that's gone viral on the internet or facebook right. or twitter or something <laughs> and it's with 99.9% accuracy, if someone walks in and starts asking me and I get in a conversation with a customer about the Fantastic Four trailer that's coming out, what is it, later this year? Yeah, it's like uh, August, I think. Sure, sure as shit, someone else who's looking at the new release wall is going to turn around and go, oh, I didn't like it. But right there, that's engagement. And exactly. right there, the person, the person I'm talking to is going to turn around and look at that guy at the new release wall and go... What do you mean you didn't like it? And so if, and so we're going to get into a debate. And one guy is going to say why he didn't like it. One guy is going to say why he did like it. I might be diplomatic and just dance the line and go, yeah, that was cool. But, yeah, that was kind of stupid. Because at the end of the I, day, you don't want to alienate anybody and then, of course, have them. Because I know those discussions can get a little tense. And, again, you want to make sure someone actually walks away with their books. Sometimes. But not you know what? Not as often as you think. I mean, as long as you're... And I've seen it. Like, as long as you can have a firm opinion about something, okay. 
Because everybody, it's not politics and it's not religion. We're not talking about the existence of God or Jesus or anything like that. I don't know. Sometimes it feels that way, believe me. And we're not talking about whether or not abortion or, or marijuana should be legal. You know, we're, we're talking we're talking about fictional characters in a fictional world. Like you can, So you don't think halfway through like the Fantastic Four trailer, the thing's going to turn to the camera and just yell, legalize it? I mean, if it does, whatever. <laughs> then, then the thing smokes pot, and the and and the mystery and the mystery is solved. We know, we know why he's so big all the time. Uh, it's not just rocks; it's the munchies too. Or it turns out this entire time they're all completely normal, but they're just so whacked out of their minds that they think they have powers. I mean, I'm pretty sure the Human Torch snorts cocaine, but that's besides the point. Yeah. I mean, nobody, nobody is that pumped up all the time. I mean, it could also be the fact that his body's coated in fire, but. I would be pretty pumped up too if I was coated in fire, but uh, you know, but it, but it's great because people people will stand here and argue about that, and at some points I'll even just stop talking and just stand there and watch the two of them go back and forth, because they both have legitimate opinions. Because we're talking about fictional characters and a fictional universe, and it's <laughs> movies and TV. Like, what is there to get angry about? Like. Superman is not a real person, so you can't get offended if someone's like. Oh, I think this is stupid. I have any everybody from four year olds to grown adults coming in and saying that's that's that new fifty two Superman costume where he wears armor is the dumbest thing in the world. Why oh, does Superman need armor? He's Superman. Oh, does he wear armor? Because I know the one picture they showed. Because yeah, there's one with armor, then the other one he's kind of like wearing a t shirt. Well, the now after convergence, he's going back to the costume he wore when the new fifty two started. It looks oh. like with like a t shirt and jeans and work boots. But I mean, for a little while, up until the last couple issues, his his suit was like armor. Oh, then yeah, and then there was like, like another picture where like I was I guess was it Batman where it almost looks like a he looks like robotic a, bunny like like a robot Usagi Ojimbo. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah that I, I'm dying to see what Snyder has in, has in store for that because I don't understand that. Neither do I, but it's unfortunate it caught my attention. And the thing is now... But then again, I read Nightfall, and that was kind of the same thing. Nightfall where... was probably the last time I like read Batman majorly, but again, I have such a weird affinity for that armor or that suit. Yeah. Well, I mean, John Paul Valley was like, you know what? Like, this, this spandex Batman costume is not working for me. So he made a suit of armor. I don't know. I kind of, even though that was like 90s art. I yeah, kinda, that was like mid-90s. I kind of, I kinda, no offense to Greg Capullo if he's listening, but I kind of feel like... The 90s Nightfall Batman armor kind of looked a little cooler than this robot bunny Usagi Ojimbo thing. Looks. Yeah, you know what it is? It's all about But context. I'll wait till it comes out. I'm not going to Yeah, because uh, that one, but the thing is, those it. images like were enough to just everybody went like, well, what the hell's going on? And that's all you needed. Oh, yeah. And that's exactly, and I think that's exactly what DC was trying to do, is just make everybody, whether you're a Batman fan or not, go, what? What is that? <laughs> because now you've, now, you, now you've ignited interest in... The industry now, yeah. everybody, now everybody, and and the best part was they didn't even show the front; they showed the back of it. You know, yeah, what so I, mean? I don't even know what the front's gonna look like. And, and you don't know who's in it. That's the thing. We he, don't even know if that's even Bruce Wayne. Yeah, Snyder didn't say that was Bruce Wayne in there. It could be Damien. It could be Tim Drake. It could, it could be, be even like a futuristic thing. Like it's just nuts. Yeah, I mean, it could be anybody. I'm it angry. Could be Barbara that Gordon. Like even, what? Do, what I don't do we even know? read it? And it's Chances just like, are, I don't think it's Barbara Gordon because there's still going to be a Batgirl book. So which oh again, that's a whole other thing right there. <laughs> you know, DC has oh my gosh, and the thing is, I'm not a, like 
huge DC guy. Not really. I okay. mean, I'm into Batman, but I was like a lot more Marvel. And See, I grew up stuff. a big DC guy. So. Oh, okay. So this should be fun. And now, like, DC has really been kind of having some hard luck with, like, the last few covers. And every so often, there's, like, a cover that gets really nuts. Like, what was the one for Batgirl? It was at the, um, I can't remember who drew it, the one with the Joker on it. They just released the image, like, a couple of oh, days yeah, ago. Oh, for, yeah. For, it's the Joker variant for Batgirl 41 that's yes, coming out. and Twitter went nuts. Where she, she's kind of crying a little bit, and he's got her, he's got yeah. his, like, arm around her. It's like a throwback to Killing Joke. That's what I thought. And again, I, having well, I, read that, I, I think thought... I think that's the intention, but I think people thought it was a little... A little too menacing for for a comic book was was the impression that I kind of got from. That's kind of what I got too. And again, I'm I'm trying to kind of not really put too much of my own opinion into it. But I, again, I thought it was an allusion to the Killing Joke. But I guess that was back during a time where the Joker wasn't nearly as fun. Without lack of a better term, where you know, he, yeah, no, killing no, he, Killing Joke. He was not. He wasn't fun in in the Killing Joke. And I mean, actually, not. I mean, I'd have to pull up my phone just to confirm it, but I'm like 99% sure. Even the clothes that he's wearing are clothes straight from the scene from Killing Joke where he shoots her uh, through the spine and then takes right. wholly yes. inappropriate pictures of her and, and sends them to, to Jim Gordon. Yeah, that um, was... I read this, and I, of course, as always, I was unfortunate kid who, like, oh, here are the normal comics with, like, you know, Ninja Turtles, and it's like, oh, here's yeah. the other comics that you're probably not supposed to read, so I'm like... Oh, no one's looking. Let me slide over and read, like, you know, The Killing Joke and Watchmen. And, like, yeah. and it's just, like, the most incredibly disturbing stuff. But, unfortunately, that that completely influenced me, I think, more than, you know. Yeah, I hear you. I mean, The Killing Joke is iconic. I mean, that's, yeah. that's you know, if you had the list, like, quintessential Batman stories for any fan who wanted to just read, like, the best of the best as far as Batman stories go. Killing Joke would totally be top five, maybe even top three for a lot of people. I would say that. And, of course, Dark Knight Returns would be up there. Dark Knight Returns is classic. I know Long Batman Halloween. Hush, Long gets Halloween a, which gets a lot of... I was a huge fan of Long Halloween, but that's not a ignore that. I mean, at the end of the day, it all comes down to preference, right? And right. That's, and that's what makes this great is people are going to come in here. And like you said, you're a huge Marvel fan. I'm a big... I grew up originally a DC fan and grew into Marvel you know, by going to the comic book store uh, and getting Batman and Green Lantern and Superman, you know, then I started to get into Spider-Man and X-Men and Captain America and the Avengers. And, you know, so I kind of took those on secondary. And sometimes, you know, I'm not going to lie, sometimes the Spider-Man and the Avengers books, like right now, this time's, time runs out thing leading into Secret Wars. Uh-huh. So good. Like... I don't know. Have you been reading? And I, I anybody I talk to, I feel like I should get paid by Jonathan Hickman. But have you read any of Avengers and New Avengers of his run? Oh yeah. Oh, it's it's breathtaking. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, and this is coming from someone who wasn't a huge Avengers fan growing up. But okay, I mean, it's nuts. You know, there's a lot of there's a lot of good stuff on both sides of the fence, and then you start breaking into the indie stuff. Oh, and that's why. So. I'd been a musician for for fifteen years. Which oh, at some point we got to get into the music thing because oh, for sure. From the minute you, I saw the name of your store, I'm like, oh god, he's clearly a Baltic Souls fan. Oh yeah, big time. <laughs> but like you know, I growing up and being uh, being an indie musician, playing in garage bands, playing punk music and VFW halls and firehouses and people's basements and backyards and stuff like that. You know. We do very much like what you do. We record on our own and, and we, we self-produce these, well, you know, here's my age here, but CDs 
uh, <laughs> and then before that, cassettes. And you know, we would we would sell them anytime we played a show. Three yeah. bucks for a cassette, five bucks for a CD. There was one point where we were even on a record label, but there's a hustle that goes behind it, where you're making this stuff and you're the only person who is gonna push real hard to try to get it out there. Right. When I started, when I opened this comic book store and I started talking to people for indie comic book artists, and there's a ton of them out there. I mean, girls and guys who are writing and drawing their own comics, coloring their own comics, lettering their own comics, and then printing them out on their own printers at home, their HP printers, or taking them to a print shop nearby. No barcode, no publisher, just them and a pen. Like still like Discord Records kind of deal. Yeah, a hundred percent. They're like they're all the Ian Mackay of, <laughs> of of the comic book industry, and and the and the struggle is real. Here, it's, okay, here's what, real you, what you're gonna have to do is, is now. The, all you're gonna have to do is now rebrand yourself as like the Fugazi of comic books. I would love I, I would love to be named my store to be named after a Bouncing Soul song and be known as the Fugazi of. There comic you go. Book stories. See, the only thing is though, I say just keep saying it until either. A, it sticks, or you're going to cease and desist from ENFC. I am, uh, once we're done here, I'm tweeting that. And I'm going to say, thanks, Adrian has issues for. <laughs> there you go, please. You for, can... for being the first person to dub us the Fugazi of, of comic book stories. So that's awesome. That's going to be our new tagline. I didn't have a tagline when we opened, but now we have a tagline. Awesome. Um, but, I mean, but it's true. You know, these guys are out there, and I'm sure they'd love to work for Marvel. I'm sure they'd love to work for DC or Image or Dark Horse or IDW or whatever, but they're, they, they're not there yet or right. for whatever reason. Or maybe they don't want to be. Maybe they just like doing their own thing. Exactly. But they deserve the recognition. They deserve to have their stuff up on the shelf next to Spider-Man, next to Future's End, next to Convergence and Batman and, and Captain America because it's still good stuff just because... IDW or Boom isn't putting it out or Scott Snyder's not writing their book or Greg Capullo's not drawing their book doesn't mean it's garbage. Like, there's so much good stuff out there that people just don't get access to. So, you know, with that in mind, if I meet an independent artist, like, you know, and I'm going to start to name drop people. I no mean, problem. Name drop away, dude. Kayla Miller from, uh, from North Jersey. Uh, she writes a comic called Creep and now there's two issues and an interlude out. Uh, she also writes a book called Small Thing. Um, those bo- those books are great. Her art is great, and I've heard, and maybe this, maybe I shouldn't say this until I can confirm it, but I think she's even done. A, she's actually been brought on to do a little bit of cover art for Bravest Warriors. I think it was. Oh, get out of here! So she's starting to get some recognition, and I'm not saying I had anything to do with it. Right, but it's it's cool to see that. You know what? But that's the thing. It's yeah. not just, you know, if Batman I, and, you know... Her Superman book's phenomenal, and she's the nicest girl in the world. And if I have her book up on the shelf, and she blows up, all I could hope for is that one day when, you know, when Diamond is interviewing her for their for their weekly, their daily newsletter, or Newsrama, or IGN, or... Any of these major, or, or you, you know what I mean? Like, right. if any, if she's ever in an interview position, and she, and they say, "Well, tell us where you got your start." If she even says the words "East Side Mags," then that is more thanks, and more gratitude, and more payoff than I could ever hope for. Because if she's going to be the next rising star, I had even the littlest piece of helping her out, and that's awesome. Like, who, who can't take pride in that? I was going to say that, and that's pretty cool, but again, given your background as a musician, like as you just said, that's obviously makes it so much easier for you than you to showcase, because you know what it's like to then 
have to, you know, what it is like to be at that level to then have to work your way up. Yeah, and there's so many comic book stores out there who who read this indie who read these indie guys and girls books and they're just like, you know, if it doesn't compare to Batman, and nothing compares to Batman. A few I mean, things do, and I I, yeah. I admit that even as someone who doesn't read every issue, he's he's kind of untouchable. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I mean, Batman will just sell based solely on the fact that he's Batman. It doesn't even have to be good Batman. Like, oh, not at all. Like, Batman is is an internationally recognized iconic figure. As kids, my cousin like had Spider-Man, like Spider-Man, like Wolverine, <laughs> like had like a toothbrush with the Batman symbol. He used to talk. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> people people in other countries who don't even know English know that that symbol <laughs> means Batman. Know that that symbol means Superman. Like they people just know that stuff. Like the cross means Jesus. You know, they people just know and. To, so you can't look at these guys and girls' books and go, well, it's it's not as good as Scott Snyder's book. So no, nah, I don't think it's going to sell in my store. You got to want to sell it. You got to want to help these people out because you know what? One hand washes the other. And when she get when Caleb Miller gets to be famous, maybe maybe I maybe I get the opportunity to reach out to her and go, hey, do you want to do a signing at my store? Maybe she brings Scott Snyder with her because the two of them are writing uh, a Batman book together, which would be great. Or, came up with their own brand new idea and they're releasing a brand new number one on image that all us comic book fans are just foaming at the mouth ready to ready to get and our hands on. And you've had some on. pretty awesome talent come to these doors fairly recently. Yeah, I mean we try to mix it up. I mean I I try to do a minimum I try to do an average of two signings or or, or appearances a month. Um one of them is usually uh an indie artist. So like this month uh next Saturday the 21st we have uh this guy, Brian Daly, uh, he goes by the name BTD. He wrote a book called Novel, uh, actually two books, both called Novelty Song Number 1 and 2. Okay. Uh, it's about a kid, uh, or uh, I guess he's not really a kid. He's kind of a young adult uh, who, was, who was in a band, uh, left the band, and the band is still going. They replaced him. Uh, he's a little jealous. He's a little, he's a little upset because they're still doing well without him. <laughs> Uh, he finds this like knot in a tree where if you take a CD and you with a song recorded on it and put it in the in the tree, the whole rest of the world will forget that that song exists. So if you huh. record "Stairway to Heaven" on a disc and put it in this tree, everybody else in the world except you will, will forget that there's that there was ever a song called "Stairway to Heaven." He then goes back goes back to his friend's recording studio and him and his friends record "Stairway to Heaven" and release it as their own song. And oh, people shit. are like, oh, my God, this song is amazing. What is it called? And he goes, Stairway to Heaven. And they're like, oh, my God, that is such a great title. And it's like, that's great, but what are the ramifications? So that's kind of like, that's the first issue. The second issue deals, you know, takes the story from there kind of right. thing. So these guys have been stuffing discs in this tree and then wiping it from people's memories and then recording them on their own. So eventually something's got to come to a head. So I don't want to give it away. So you should definitely come by and, and, and pick up these issues and check it out. Or come meet Brian in person on the 21st. And, uh, you know, but then we do that. And then I try to get uh, someone of a little bit more note or, or I don't want to say fame, but like someone someone a little bit more recognized in right. the industry. Right, it's kind of a give or take, though, because obviously you still want to, you know, showcase your indie guys. But at the same time, you still want to draw, you know. Well, they, this to the store. So I, I don't think that's necessarily a bad thing to, you know, admit that at all. No. And I mean, you know, so so we've got Brian Daly coming in. We've had Caleb Miller. We've had this guy, uh, Eric Davies, 
who who wrote a comic called Hero Machine that's got two wheel two like gears that you cut out of the back of the comic, and this is a comic that's okay to cut apart. You cut I know. The, I'm sorry, my heart just stopped when you said that. I'm like, wait, 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 what? Oh, yeah, cut no. up comics. It's uh, it's the last page of the comic, and you and you cut these gears out, and it's an all ages comic, but mainly for kids. And you use these gears, and the kid can create his own superhero that he then uses in the comic itself. Huh. And it's awesome. And I mean, That's a kids, really awesome. Okay, I'm sorry. I feel bad forever. No, no, no. I, I mean, kids that young, I see them buying Sonic the Hedgehog and My Little Pony stuff. And, and, you know, and I ask everybody who comes up with a raw comic, you know, do you want a board and bag? But I can already tell that the kid is clutching that Marvel Universe Guardians of the Galaxy comic so tightly in his hand that it's already damaged. I just need the barcode <laughs> to scan it. But, uh, you know, kids, and even me as a kid, like, you know, they just, they don't get it. They don't understand the respect that, that you know, you want to keep them nice. You want to, they could be worth money someday. You never right. know. So there's a level of respect that goes with that. But, you know, kids, kids just don't get that. So, you know, you get guys like, but you get guys like that in here and they get exposure and they actually get to promote their stuff that they're passionate about. So here I am passionate about my store. Here's this artist or writer passionate about his book. And like you, you just get caught up in it and it helps them move units and it gets it in people's hands, which is really at the end of the day, the, the point of it that why do, why did I record music? Why is this guy writing a comic book to get it out there, to get it in people's hands and, and get it heard or read or exactly. whatever. And then you've got guys, awesome guys like, Fernando Ruiz and Paul Castiglia, who came in here and did a signing with us. Uh, and, th and those guys work on Archie comics. I mean, Paul is, and I'll, and I'll say this publicly, Paul is maybe one of, if not the nicest guy in the industry. I mean, the guy's got a straight-up heart of gold and is just one of the nicest dudes you will ever meet. And if you ever get the chance to meet him, you'll see exactly what I'm talking about. Fernando is amazing also and a phenomenal artist and the man responsible for the upcoming title Archie versus Predator which I'm Oh wait a minute that's totally excited about because I was just actually reading about a little bit about that so he's doing the art for that Oh yeah and I can't Sold. wait to see Predator just taking taking apart Riverdale bit by the bit The Archie I remember the Archie Punisher Yeah that was actually a lot of fun That was a lot of fun too and I mean Archie Predator is going to be great so I'm really excited about that uh Really excited to read that and, and check out Fernando's art. I mean, if you check him out on Facebook every once in a while, he'll post like a like a black and white, you know, sketch of like a, a cell or, or some or part of a page or something. And it's it's going to be hilarious. And I'm totally psyched <laughs> for it. And then we've got Ron, for that. we've got Ron Mars, who who was responsible for the creation of Kyle Rayner uh, in Green Lantern Comics in the 90s. He's coming down here from upstate New York on April 4th. With Tom Rainey, who's done more, who's who's drawn in more X Men books than I probably did as a thirteen year old. Uh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, I could draw the X Men. I just drew a lot of the logos. Oh, I just drew inside the comics, but I mean those those comics weren't going to be worth anything anyway, so I don't feel bad. <laughs> hey, he's like, well, it's girl. Yeah, it's fine. But uh, I mean, but Ron Mars wrote all these great Silver Surfer storylines. Was was responsible for like just about every Green Lantern comic in the nineties wrote the storyline where Hal Jordan went nuts and, and and mass murdered people in Coast City, created the character of Kyle Rayner, made him a Green Lantern, wrote the story where his girlfriend gets chopped up and shoved into a refrigerator, which then created the website that from through Gail Simone called Women in Refrigerators, which deals with, you know, writers and artists shaming 
like shaming women in their books and and is uh, check it out. It's like a whole bunch of huh. videos and, <laughs> and audio. I've heard of that. I didn't realize that was the because again my DC knowledge is a little limited. So oh my god, artists and writers explaining why 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 is the female play such a weak role in this one? Why is the female the damsel in distress in this one? And I mean it's just. You know, good or bad, he, what, his stories created such a controversy for so long to the point where now now the market's being flooded with female superheroes. All these years later, it's still a topic of conversation. So there's, uh, I mean, there's a, there's a thousand or more gr- phenomenal female writers and creators and artists out there. And we're actually doing, a, we're participating in a Montclair-wide business ladies' night. Oh, ladies cool. night out next Friday this coming this coming Friday actually the 20th uh, where you know customers who come in here and say oh I'm here for ladies night out between 6 and 9 p.m. on Friday night uh, I'll give them a real quick two to three minute little speech or talk about some a, a couple different female artists or writers in the industry today including the indie ones who, who I work with you know, why they're so great and why they should not feel like comics are as male-dominated as it used to be or geared towards just guys. There's so much stuff out there that's geared for or interesting to women and right. girls. Right, it's not so off-putting. Yeah, so... I mean, don't get me wrong, there's still, like, a ways to go, but, I mean... Oh, there's definitely... a long way to go, yeah, but, I mean... But we've also come a long way, too. Very true. So, you know, it, things are changing. I mean, Thor's a woman now. The new Miss Marvel is one of the most... And I've never been a teenage girl before. But that book but is she's, phenomenal. she's one of the most relatable characters because <laughs> she's a teenage girl whose parents don't let her go out to parties, who want her to just wake up, go to school, come home, do her homework, go to sleep, you know, and all she wants to do is have friends, have a social life, go out and do stuff. And her parents are like, no, you got to you gotta stay home. Is, <laughs> is your book report done? Like, no, you can't go out. You know, uh, Captain Marvel is now is now the old Miss Marvel uh, and Carol Danvers. Right. Um, I mean, the list goes on. And, I mean, you still have characters like Wonder Woman and you still have characters like Elektra and comics and She-Hulk and stuff like that. But Shame her book got canceled. But. It is a shame. But, uh, you know... But you have all these, and she's gonna be in, she's gonna be in charge of A Force now. That's, that's right. I forgot out. that's yeah. So she's not she's not gone completely, right? But right. It was just a solo book. I thought was pretty decent. No, nah, her solo book was great, and it's a, it's a shame that they canceled it. Lord knows why Marvel decided to do it when there are so many uh, other books that they're putting out that I would have picked over that. But right, and unfortunately, one day we might have to get into a discussion about that. But at the same time, maybe I shouldn't completely bash your book because I know you still have to sell them at the end of the day. <laughs> No, like I mean, hey man, it's like I said, you know, I, I, I don't, I'll stock a book because I do, I do a lot of analyzation and reporting, and looking at what people are buying and make sure that I stock. You know, it's not about stocking what I like; it's about stocking what my customers like. Right. But I won't stand here and, and recommend a book to somebody if I don't think it's good. That's where the difference is. Like. There are certain books out there that I'll stock because people people buy it and they like it and that's cool and I respect the fact that they like it. But if someone asks me my opinion, I'm gonna be honest with them and I'm gonna tell them, you know, hey, I I don't think this book is very good. I've read three issues. And <laughs> He's like, it's pretty terrible. I, I read three issues. It's not very <laughs> engaging, and uh, I stopped reading it. 
you know, you're more than welcome to pick it up if you want. I've got issues one, two, and three, but it tells you also that no one else is really buying it either. So <laughs> it's kind of your call, you know? I'm not here to tell anybody what they should like or not like, but if someone's going to go, do you have any recommendations about, you know, I'm not into superheroes, I like sci-fi. There's a million sci-fi books out right now. Oh, right. I don't like sci-fi, I, mean, I'm, I like zombies. Walking Dead, Outcast, you know, like... Okay, those were two Kirkman books, so that was kind of biased. I don't. That's know. I'm, okay. I'm not I, even reading Outcast, to be honest with you. But neither have or, I. I haven't heard much about Dead. it. I, and I'm and I'm maybe the only comic book store owner who hasn't read an issue of Walking Dead. Not one. Funny thing is, I haven't read Walking <laughs> Dead since I worked at a comic book store, and this was 2006. Yeah. And don't get me wrong, oh, it wow. was I read it, and again, I'm not hating on it, but it was like okay, I can see why this is a thing. I kind of just put it down, but I don't think it, really that the TV show just. The Walking Dead just blew the hell up. Yeah, I mean, and that's the reason, and that's only, and I'm not, I'm not saying I don't read the comic because I don't think it's good. Oh no, yeah. I don't read the comic because I watch the TV show, and I know for a fact the TV show is so far behind where the comics are. I just, I don't. want you would pretty much screw yourself over that way. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to know what happens to this character or that character because I read it in a comic. Like, I will wait till the show has run its course. Till they have shown <laughs> that 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 series finale, and there will be no more Walking Dead. Oh, until and the, the spinoff, and the, even the spinoff. I mean, and then I will lock myself in a room with every <laughs> with every Walking Dead compendium that has come out, and I will read every single one from cover to cover, and I'll go, "Wow, I can't believe it took me." Like, have you guys seen Jeff? He hasn't been at the store. He's like, yeah, he's been gone for one, two decades. Yeah. <laughs> Because I because I, I lock myself in my apartment. Yeah, or you'll be next to the guy the who, house, of course, bought but... every X Men comic in existence. Yeah, and I'll just I'll just buy I'll I'll just take home every single compendium of Walking Dead and I'll just read it all cover to cover and I'll be all caught up. Well, I would say though, so, I mean, if you start, I mean, the book came out a pretty decent while ago, so I mean, if you started now, like. Shouldn't that be okay, or is it still too? No, I just I'll just wait till the TV shows. Oh, man, you're, man, you're really compendiums. you're. I've got, I've got, like I said, forty comics a week, man. I've, I've you got stick to your of, guns. You know what? That's all right. I, I was trying to, I was trying to sway you there for a little bit. I've got, I've got plenty of stuff to read in the meantime. I'm okay, and I know little bits and pieces. I know, I know. There's certain guys, and I don't want to spit spoilers all over your, all over your podcast. But so, well, I mean, I'll tell you what. There's okay, certain characters. You might say spoilers here. Spoiler alert. So there you go. Uh, no, that's all right. Uh, there's certain <laughs> characters, certain characters that I that I know because customers, you know, people are human, man. They, you know, they, when they find out that I don't read the comics, you know, usually something slips out. Like, yeah. Oh, so and so dies in the comics. You know, well, so and so didn't die in the TV series, and the TV series is behind the comics. So, if one plus two equals three, then, oh man. They could still kill that character off, like last process of elimination. Like, okay, here, spoiler alert: Noah died in the last episode of Walking Dead. Okay, dude got eaten by a bunch of zombies, and Glenn washed it through a piece of glass. Like, oh, cool. It I was, mean, oh, that's terrible. I'm sorry. Oh, god, that's horrible. I mean, it was a sick. It was a crazy scene, but you know, okay. Like, I know there are certain characters that that have already died in the comics that are still alive in the TV show. So I don't. Yeah, know there's some like, liberties taken there. Yeah, and so I just you know. I'm okay. I'm okay with just waiting till for Sunday nights to see what happens next on Walking Dead, and then, like I said, the one patience day I was of, just... a, of a monk because you know I couldn't do it. No, I'm terrible. That's like even now with everything going on. Let's say like the Marvel movies. I know for a fact that I kind of have an idea how everything's gonna play out. Uh-huh. That article come up and oh, inside information. It's like one click, one click, and click, click. I click like 800 times. I'm like shit. Now I know what this is gonna be about. <laughs> So we got to get into it, though, only because, again, it, we have to. Because the minute I walked into the door, you had your guitar in your hand. Oh, yeah. yeah I was just uh, I was just messing around. 
No, no problem. But I'm just saying is, um, are you? I don't. You might have answered this question already. So, are you currently in a band now, or? No, unfortunately, unfortunately not. I would love to be still playing music, but uh, being a business owner for a comic book store that is 110% a, a luxury business and not an, uh, you know, it's not like I'm selling bread and milk. Um, this yet. is this yet. <laughs> Maybe Next we do week, Eastside Mag's mini fridge. Yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So unfortunately, uh, running my own business is a little too time consuming, but. Hopefully, when I can get this business to a point where I can hire some employees more than Stephanie Vargas, who we just brought on board, uh, who's been phenomenal uh, and a huge help, um, you know, when I can get enough employees and, and, and fi- stabilize enough financially where I can afford to have a, a full team of people working here, maybe free up some time for myself a little bit, then I would totally be willing to get back into it. But right now, it's just kind of me and the old guitar just doodling just <laughs> hanging out because i know you said your your parents weren't necessarily like into it so i guess well how did you get introduced to that world actually ironically enough one of my customers is a guy who i who i went to high school with uh when i was a freshman in high school um this was kind of at the onset of the north of the new jersey punk rock scene way back in the day oh okay uh there was uh, he, and his name is John Randall. He's a customer of mine who lives in Montclair, has a wife and two kids. Uh, but when we were in high school, he started a band with three other guys called uh, called Billy Rivers. And they talked to a first aid squad in Wayne, New Jersey, about using their, basically, their parking lot to put on a local punk show with okay. some friends of theirs who had bands. And I had never heard of anything like that before in my life at that point freshman in high school i thought if you wanted to go see a concert you had to spend 40 dollars on a ticket to go to like a a stadium to see journey or (laughs) or bush or nirvana or something like that and i was like these are guys around my age who play music like how does that 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 didn't make sense to me i just thought all musicians were just famous and super wealthy right and a buddy of mine mikey mikey and i went down to this first aid squad they called it fafa it stood for first annual first aid aid and it was to raise money for the first the first aid squad and they had this little stage set up and these guys got up there and played and it just blew my mind that you didn't need to be famous and you didn't need to be super rich to play music it just didn't it just didn't occur to me as a kid and then that kind of triggered it. And then I wanted to learn to play guitar. And then from there, I, 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 took, a, I took up the bass. And I just, you know, like-minded people, I just started listening to music. And, and I can't, I still to this day, can't read sheet music. Um, I don't really know music theory all that well. I'm all self-taught, played by, play by ear kind of thing. Well, I'm sure a lot of those guys but, in that scene probably were the same way because that's what made it great. You didn't necessarily have to come from this... And that's why, and that's why expansive punk, music background. And that's why falling into the punk rock scene just fits so right. Was because I mean, at the end of the day, Sid Vicious didn't know what the hell he was doing. He was too, <laughs> he was too drugged out to play properly anyway. So yeah, like it, those old live recordings, like oof. And I've never done heroin, so if Sid Vicious <laughs> can do heroin and play bass, I sure as shit cannot do heroin and st- and play better bass. And that's been the ethos behind it the whole time. <laughs> but. <laughs> But uh, you know, but and that's and that, but that was what was so great about the punk rock scene, and I just fell into it, and I and I and I feel like I've been a part of it ever since, and 
I mean, someone come in here and prove me wrong, but I feel like I'm still a part of it to this day. And, um, you know, I named my store after a Bouncing Soul song because I saw them play at JT Skate Zone in the 90s uh, when they were promoting a record that wasn't getting them sellout crowds and stuff like that. And it just, that resonated with me too. And the song's about hanging out with your friends and having fun. And if that's not what this store is all about is making friends and hanging out with those friends and having a good time, then I'm in the wrong business and I should just shut my doors tomorrow. Um, I'm still trying to get the band to, to come to come here and, and play if in the store. If you can pull that off and there's any way it can help to do that, I don't know if we could just like start like some sort of tweet like tweeting campaign because, well, I've been I'm in. I've been talking with Chunksaw Records on and off for the last year or more. Uh, the problem is the guys, all they don't all live in Jersey anymore. They're kind of scattered about. Which so sucks. But getting them together for something like this is a little tough. Unless but. you kind of like work in, I don't know, because like, I know they still do like the Home for the Holiday shows. Yeah, so, yeah, and that's South Jersey, so I don't know what the ramifications are of them playing so closely to that. But I'm going to keep plugging away at it because, you know, I'm not going to quit until the, until they come down here. And if they're listening, I'm not going to I'm not going to stop calling kid helps and, until until <laughs> until you guys <laughs> like whoever else is listening. Just, you know, everybody just tweet the band Just whoever you can get a hold of. Just tell them, hey, come to Eastside Max. Yeah, just just keep keep at it. Maybe if everybody else joins in. Right. And, and we keeps can just get like a movement them, going. We, yeah. Well, see, the thing is, we need a we need like a really catchy hashtag, though. Well, the other thing is, there's this there's this punk band. There's this pop punk band out of Chicago called Alistair. Oh, Alistair. Yeah. I know there were a drive through for a while. Yeah. And they have a song called somewhere on Fullerton. Fullerton. Yeah. That's actually the one song I know by them. Put, putting two and two together now, right? So Wait, was that actually... Scott, and I can't remember his last name now, actually followed... He followed... I'm going to let you finish because my mind's going to explode. Scott, from, who's the singer for Alistair, yeah. followed us, started following us on Twitter not too long ago. And so now I started tweeting him because now I want to get Alistair to, to, to play somewhere on Fullerton on Fullerton. Fullerton. That's amazing. That's Damn like, it. All right. See, now what's going to have to happen, just, though? And then I just want Ian McKay to come here and just have a cup of soy milk coffee with me and just hang out and be cool. See, the thing is, I could not... <laughs> see, he, I couldn't talk to only because it's like, I there would be... I, I'm just like... Uh, and the thing is, I don't try not to geek out too much. Like, I know, like, last Comic-Con, like, I've seen Claudio Sanchez there for about five Comic-Cons in a row. He was in here. Coheed and Cambria played at the Wellmont around the corner. Yeah, I was at that show for Never Ender. I've got a yeah. I've I've got a. I took a I took a selfie with Claudio. He came in here with his wife and his son, who had the coolest little kid Spider-Man shoes I've ever seen. And this place was packed full of Coheed fans because they were. And I know this because they were all wearing Coheed and Cambria T-shirts. Yeah. And he. You'll came know in, us when you see us. <laughs> and my fiance's cousin was actually here. She stopped by to pick up some because she's got a pull box with us, and she didn't even know who he was because she's she just had no idea. She had heard the name, but she didn't know right the, the, the face. face to the uh, the band. But name. he walked in, and I immediately just looked at him and went, "You know, I sell your comics, right?" And <laughs> he, and what he, a great opening line! And is he kind of just chuckled and was like. Oh, that's awesome. And, you know, we talked a little bit. I sold him a copy of God Hates Astronauts number one because I thought that, I think that comic is just totally ridiculous. And Wait, hilarious. did you recommend it or he just picked it up? I recommend it. He asked me, he asked me what I'm reading and he, and he was looking for a recommendation. He was, I don't he know said, if I want to shake your hand or hit you because I'm like, damn it, how can these things ever happen when I'm in? He, he said that every time they stop in a town, the first thing he does is he goes on like Google or something and, or comic shop locator and he looks for the closest comic book store and, 
you know, during their downtime on tour, he'll go to local comic book stores and, and just check it out. And so, I mean, being on the opposite side of the block, he walked in here. And the pictures on our Facebook are definitely on our Instagram. I know I, I know I put it on Instagram, but... How did uh, I miss that one? Because I was trolling that pretty soon. <laughs> 100% not a liar. The dude totally recognized me when I walked past his table at New York Comic Con back in October. And I was like, hey, man. I was like, how's it going? He was like, oh, Eastside Mags, what's going on? And I was like... Yes, <laughs> you've was, made it. We're doing this. And, and See, it's what's working. gonna have to happen now is you're gonna have to basically just start your own comic book store music venue. You know what? I would that, totally do it. I would do it. I know heartbeat. music venues are a little tougher because there's so much red tape involved. Well, if we can get if we can get more customers in here, we can sell some more comics, and I can get some financial, some more, some increased financial stability. Bigger and better, man. We're getting bigger awesome. and better and stronger every day. Because I was gonna say you can start doing it like in like in store performances. I know that might be a little tough. But... We do that. We, we've had bands in here. Uh, we actually had. Uh, there were two Irish musicians who were supposed to play at the library, but the door was locked the other day. They just showed up here because I know a guy in town who puts together a lot of musical performances. They said, Greg said it would be cool if we played here for a little bit. I was like, yeah. Push Go ahead. I pushed the bins around, made them well, some you got space. wheels on them now so you can just start sliding them over? Our grand opening last July, we had a, a local band uh, called Policemen and Pickups who used to be called Hollywood Ave. And my old band used to play a ton of shows with those guys uh, when I was still big in the music scene. But... Uh, they're still around, and they're, they call themselves policemen and pickups. They played my grand opening. We pushed all the bins against the wall, and people just stood around like they would at like Bloomfield Ave Cafe. Or I missed that place so or, much. Yeah, that was a good. That was a good spot. Uh, I practically Valiant Thor um, played there. That was yep. such a weird show. I saw My Chemical Romance there. I saw Thursday there. I mean, it was just. Dude, that place that place is a cornerstone. It breaks my heart every time I walk down Bloomfield Avenue. It really does, and it's just and it's just a shame that no one ever just decided to do anything with it. I don't know if it was just a matter Uh, of real estate. I know some kids who might be doing something in Bloomfield coming down the pipe. So stay tuned. There's probably some there's there's some local music coming back to. I would really like to because and well, I I feel like at the risk of sounding like you know I'm like the shit or anything, but. Prior to starting the podcast, actually, that's what I did. I did a music blog nice. about, like, you know, stuff in Jersey. And it kind of sucked because it was so hard to do with, like, a job and then trying to, like, get to shows and things like that. Yeah. But it's cool to see that, you know what, the music scene isn't dead because... Hell no. The music scene's alive, doing push-ups, pull-ups, working out, getting stronger. Right, but it, and, not like, and not like that Sylvester Stallone Rocky Five way, but, like, it's legitimately back. That's really yeah, cool. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> it's coming back, man. I know a lot of cool kids around here who are working really hard to try to get somewhat of a scene put back together because there was a time where the you know the music scene was thriving in new jersey I yeah mean, it was huge but bands, then just, bands were coming out of here like like an easy bake oven just popping out fresh yeah, every, so every week like some- but now it's starting to you know i think now it's, it's starting to take a resurgence i think kids are, are are really pumped up and getting back into it and uh you know if there's you know if anybody listens to this podcast and is in local music and there's a way a comic book store in Montclair can help out. I'm all about community. I mean, besides the indie comics, we do movie nights uh, where instead of charging admission, we collect food for Tony's Kitchen, which is a food pantry down the street, like three blocks away at oh, St. Cool. Luke's Church. So we don't charge people money. They We ask them to bring as a suggested donation of canned healthy food. We collect the food, and then we bring it over to the food shelter and just hand it over. Um, and we show movies on a six-foot screen, projector screen. So it's awesome. Um, we do that. We we host local musicians and let them play here. Um, 
you know, just anything that we can do to help the community through magic tournaments or movie nights or indie artists. Like, you know, if I, if I, the community has already given me so much and brought me so many customers and you and, you know, all these other people, like, I want to give back. I want to show the community that I'm not just here for your, for your hard earned cash in return for a comic book. I'm here to, for the long haul, I'm going to be here for all intents and purposes for the rest of my life, you know, with the same customer service, the same organized, clean store that has a diverse selection, fair prices, and isn't here to rip you off, take your money and not care about or give a shit about anything else going on. Like, I want to really cement myself as being part of Montclair and being that guy who... Oh man, you know what this com- this is a comic book store, but you know what they also do? They do movie nights where they collect food, or oh, you can sometimes they have bands playing here. Or, oh, they do magic tournaments. Yeah, because I remember Fridays one of the pamphlets. Or... You're like bands play here. Like holy crap. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm I'm and I'm game for just about anything. I mean, we're we're currently looking into doing video game tournaments in here. Yeah, um, I'm in. I'm thinking uh, I, I might be helping to organize somewhat of a Montclair Comic Con in the near future. Um, and some other stuff that I don't know if I should really talk about until no, you can save it because I figure at some point details, though you but... will be back, and I figure once you have you know more concrete plans, we will definitely have to talk about them. Cool, uh, happy happy to come back anytime you want, man. Jeff, this has been an absolute blast, and it's like shit. I can sit here and talk comics and music. I don't even know which one because I'm kind of geeked out about both because those are my two main loves. Video games, yes, but not as much as music and comics. So, I've, unfor- I, sad to say, I've, I think I've fallen a little bit out of the video game thing. You're uh, not missing a lot, but you're, there's some stuff that's great, but a lot of it, unfortunately, they're having that crisis that a lot of scenes did. Where yeah. same thing with like comics and music, where it's unfortunately they became so insular mm-hmm. that I think they are having a hard time now reaching out because unfortunately, I mean, we can get the whole thing, you know. There's, the Gamergate nonsense, and there's like that weird yeah. group online. Even if they are a minority, they're very vocal, and it's kind of terrible. Yeah. And unfortunately, they're not really doing a job policing. But I don't want to get on my pedestal, okay. <laughs> so we'll leave that alone for now. But Jeff, it's been awesome. But before you go, again, let everybody know where they can find you online, or even if they're in the area. EastsideMags.com, Seven South Fullerton Avenue in Montclair, New Jersey, oh seven oh four two. Facebook. Facebook.com slash Eastside Mags, Twitter.com slash Eastside Mags, Instagram at Eastside Mags. Uh, We're on Tumblr, we're on Yelp, we're on Foursquare. Uh, I'm dipping my hand in any social media pot that I can stick a grub in. I was going to say, I was thinking about joining LO myself, but I have no idea what that is. I only heard about it. Uh, I'm not worried about (laughs) LO until until, until I've got like 25 high school kids who walk in here and start, and I overhear them talking about LO. Um, I think we should just start bringing MySpace back. Oh, I don't know about that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm only joking. We, no, that's 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 rough. Whatever happened to Tom? Tom, the last that MySpace friend that everybody had. Yeah, where whatever is? Ha- I wonder what happened. Is to he him. alive? I the last know. time I saw Tom was in that what was that Joe Dapatel movie on Funny People? He was in that. Yeah, because there's this no whole way. funny thing is that movie came out. I want to say in like 2009, 2010. Really? But when they, I think when they filmed it, it was supposed to. Have, it was right around the time when MySpace was still popular. Because like okay. the running gag was like, oh fuck Facebook. But by the time the movie came out, MySpace was dead. 
<laughs> Same thing with Kick Ass, where there's all this MySpace name dropping, but by the time the movie came out, it's like, yeah, that's awkward. I think Tom from MySpace is with the Girls Gone Wild guy, and they're probably sitting on an island somewhere where the U.S. government can't touch their money, and they're just. Can they, we make a comic about that? They're just chilling, counting their money. I think it would just be a one shot. I think it would just be like. <laughs> I was like the two biggest degenerates just, in the known universe. Yeah, it would just be 32 pages of Tom and the Girls Gone Wild guy just counting money and being misogynists. <laughs> <laughs> Just well, the one guy for sure is a misogynist. The girl's got wild guy. Oh he, yeah, he is. Oh, and he I, is one hundred percent a misogynist. The other Tom, I don't know. I don't want to. I don't want to judge him, but I don't know. I know they, clearly, that, that I scandal he, clearly crippled them a lot, though. But. Yeah, I don't. I don't think Tom from MySpace cares about people either. So no, whatever. I think they should be all right. <laughs> can we get? Can we get? Is this? Is this slander? I don't. Oh shit. Um, is this? Is this slander? I don't know. I've said some pretty horrible things on the show, but I don't know if that counts as. I don't know, but if I can, get, if I have to go on TV and, and apologize to Tom and the dude from Girls Gone Wild, I'll totally do it. I was gonna say, just make sure you wear the like, your 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 store shirt. Oh yeah, I'm, to- I'm rocking an Eastside Mag yeah, exactly. shirt, and I'm gonna come out to Bouncing Souls tunes. There or, you go, uh, or some glass jaw. <laughs> See, why did you? Say, all right, hold on. What time is it? Do we have any time? I don't know. It's do we? oh shit, we're kind of over time. All right. Okay. We'll save it for next time. We'll save it for next time. No, we can't save it for next time because Glass Show is one of my favorite bands. Glass Show is one of my top three favorite bands of all time. All right, hold on. Before we go, I know we're running a little long, but all right. Okay, what's your top three? My top three favorite bands of all time? Yeah. Probably Glass Show. Glass Show is in there for sure. No, this isn't necessarily top three order, but okay. Glass Show, uh, Crime and Stereo. I really, really, I'm re- I've, I've been re-listening to like every Crime and Stereo album I can get my hands on lately. Um, I'm gonna say I'm gonna I'm gonna throw in Strung Out right now. I've been listening to a lot Ooh, of Strung, Strung Out. Out's not bad. But Strung Out's a new, pretty good. There's a new Good Riddance album coming out, and I haven't listened to the they they released the first song off the album, and I, I haven't heard it yet. I'm still waiting for Dylan Jafford to make a comeback. Oh, here we go. I would love it. I, would I don't love think it's gonna happen it. though. But no, I don't think so either. But it would be nice. It would be nice because oh, that band just gets me. And matter of fact, I was just annoying my girlfriend on the, the drive back to Jersey, seeing some um. I'm sorry, I drive back to New York seeing some friends blasting the copyrights the entire time. But And I just want to say on record that uh, Tony Sly from No Use for a Name, when he died, and I'm not a very, oh, man. And I'm not an emotional guy, but that band did so much for me when I was in my teenage years going to Asbury Park Warp Tour, and I actually got to meet him once. Not that he would have ever remembered me in a million years, but... 15 seconds that I got to speak to him and the things that that band musically did for me in my pubescent and growing up years I don't get very I don't get emotional over a lot of things I'm usually a really laid back just kind of <laughs> chilled out dude when right. I heard that he had died I fucking cried that was heartbreaking I will because say it's like it. of all the guys in that like, hurt that killed me yeah because I'm like there's so many guys who and I'm not trying to like name drop anybody or talk shit but it's like there were there are clearly people that you know who you figure would have dropped dead long before he did I mean it was just it was it was too soon for that dude he yeah. wasn't done yet and and making I, friends was one of my favorite albums of all time. oh classic classic record and uh, those and those two acoustic EPs that, that he put out with Joey Cape oh Flag Wagon oh so good uh, that's another great band that's another great band too and we, Bad Astronaut but we can we sit and talk about See, Fat, and that's Fat a, Records bands another time I guess yeah I guess we'll have to wait till <laughs> I come back and I'm like it's great because well thankfully we're both pretty much in the area and I'll let Fat Mike kick me in the head with a with a, with a Doc Martin that's wait, fine too you did or you will no I would 
I was going to say, wait, were you that guy? Because there was a story no. about that fairly recently. Yeah, he, he, <laughs> he kicked some kid in the head in Vegas or something like that. And yeah, I would let him come over here and kick me in the head. That's fine. Not too hard, though, because... No, you need to start on a store and live. And... Apparently, he let the kid kick him back, but he made the kid take off his boot and put on a fuzzy slipper, which... I don't know. That's no, that's of, kind of a coward's way out. But, but let me not shit talk. Let me not, I'm already see. I'm already bringing so much horrible press to your store. Fat Mike's gonna show up. Yeah, I heard you uh, talking shit about me in the slippers, right? All right, Fat Mike, if you're listening, you could totally come down here and kick me in the shin with a Doc Martin, not the head, but a shin. I'll let you have a shin. Shin's all right. Cool. All right, man. Thank you so much. It's been a blast. Anytime, man. And no, Anytime. none of you can see the handshake, but it happened. <laughs> well, that'll do for Adrian has issues. We will see you next time.